something that we're doing every week is during service, we're taking a time um, as a whole congregation to memorize scripture, to put God's words on our hearts. So I'm going to have the memory verse for this week be put up. Last week, we introduced Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And as each week's going, we're only on second, the week two. And as each week going, weeks go, we're going to be taking out more and more words. So uh, we're going to say this together as a congregation three times um, so we can ingrain scripture on our hearts so we can know the word of God. So let's say this all together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. All right, time two. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. All right, last time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Awesome. Now, next week, there will be less words, so I hope that you're continually reading this, uh, highlighting it in your Bible app um, so you can ingrain the scripture on your heart. And then the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is I would love if you guys would grab the Bibles out from the chair either in front of you or the chair underneath you if you're in the front row. We're going to continue reading scripture today. Um, We're going to be in the book of James. So James 3, and um, a little cheat is it's uh, page 1044. Um, near the very end of the Bible, in James 3. We're starting a new, uh, a new sermon series, as Simon said. We're t- starting a sermon series titled Taboo at the Temple. And we're talking about all the things that would be taboo to talk about in church. And Mike will go on a little bit more, but this week we are talking about your words and how you use your words and where they are in your daily life. And James gives us great instruction on what our words take a toll on. So if you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, wait. Wait, all right. We are starting in chapter 3. We are going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And also, another thing that we have been doing every week is we, as a congregation, are reading the word of God aloud together. We're going to be reading these verses together so we can fill this room with scripture and we can bless this place with the holy word of God. So if you're there, say I'm there. If you're not, say wait. All right, great. Let us read together uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into our mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder which the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, 
sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is self set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. These are the holy words of God for us. Let us all join together in prayer. God, today as we come in your presence and we look at something that is so common to us as words that we speak out of our mouths all day, every day. God, help us reflect on the one who gave us these words, the one who gave us breath to speak these words. These words are supposed to be clean and pure and praise for you. God, we should bow our lives down in praise for you. Help us to submit to your greatness and to follow you wherever you lead us. We are so grateful and blessed that you have brought us to this place, that you have put us in your presence and with fellow believers. We love you and we cherish you, and we are so thankful for the things you have put in our lives. For the two baptisms that took this morning as they, as they entered into the kingdom. And God, we ask that you also bless all these Bibles that are sitting on the altar as they get handed off into the children of your kingdom so that they can dig into the word and they can know your words and they know you. God, bless these Bibles to these children. God, we also ask that you bless everyone in this room. God, there's hard times and there's troubles. There's also joys. But we know wherever we walk, wherever we are, you're always walking with us. You're always with us. Let us lean into you and lean into your words. As Pastor Mike comes up here, let let him share the words that you have given him. Let him have boldness. God, let him have love and grace. But let him speak truth to us today. We know that his eyes are on you and that he seeks you constantly. God, we love you. Amen. Good morning. If I haven't met you, I hope I get to. I am, as Kelsey said, Pastor Mike. I will tell you this, at Marion Methodist, it's not as important to us who's on the stage as who's on the throne, uh, but we're glad you're here at worship uh, to worship the living God with us. A um, few things before I go right to the talk and dig into what's taboo at the temple. When we pur- purchased this new building, uh, we got all movable furniture so we can move, and that's awesome. And the good side about movable furniture is that it can move. The bad side is it can move. Uh, so once a month, we're going to reset the furniture to kind of our template, and we're going to do that after this service. So uh, I have four or five guys going to stay, but if you want to join them, uh, it'll probably take 15 to, uh, to a half hour to do it, depending on the volume of bodies, but you're welcome. Interesting. Um, you saw on the announcement roll, you've seen it in the Marian Methodist, you've seen it other places, that Bishop Lori Haller is going to be at Salem United Methodist Church. So for perspective, that's across the street from the uh, Westdale Target on the other side of town. 
from 4.30 to 6 this afternoon. Um, I'm going to go to that meeting. I hope a lot of Methodists go to the meeting. Um, we've been sharing stuff since 2016 that a huge meeting is coming up in 2019 in relation to the Methodists and how we interpret scripture and how we look at a holy sexuality. Uh, she's going to be presenting three plans of how the church might go forward. Um, I know the Cowboys are on at that time, so some of you have, might have to miss that game. I know I will truly miss it um, to come on a beautiful fall afternoon, but I hope many of you do. I, I really do hope that a hundred or more of us uh, show up at that meeting because it's that important. A couple of fun things. Uh, we have been putting quizzes in your bulletin. Last week there was a quiz of have you noticed this stuff from the stuff we brought downtown. Today there's a quiz about new stuff that we've got at this place. The uh, answers will drop in the Tuesday email, so uh, take it home, take a look at it, or even look around the facility afterwards. And then I'm going to ask uh, our folks in the back to put up a couple slides. The first slide I want you to see is that next week, just <clears throat> I, I'm going to say we are, and your answer is the breakfast church, okay? So we are... No kidding. Next week, we have two breakfasts at the church. So, like, if you're getting to the end of the week and say, what should we have for breakfast this, this, uh, today? Do we need to go to Fairway? And I'm like, no. Come to church. Come to church because on Saturday morning, the troop that's been part of our church for 90 years is hosting a bivouac Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But on Sunday morning, or Saturday morning, apologies, on Saturday morning from 6.30 to 9.30, they're going to make a breakfast for us outside. We're going to eat it outside, so wear your hoodies if it's cool in the morning. But come on out and have breakfast Saturday morning. Then next slide, you know, as you get filled up, then Sunday morning, come right back and eat again. Because we are? See, isn't that awesome and easy? So, so come back for breakfast. Um, every, fifth time, every time there's a fifth Sunday in a month, our United Methodist men have a mission breakfast. This mission is going to, uh, the proceeds of it will go to our Haiti trip. Okay, that's enough announcements. Amen? Amen. Oh, you think so. Wait until we get into this. So, taboo. What is taboo? Let me explain it this way. Right here, is that for me? Somebody did that to me once when the phone rang in the worship service, so I have to pay attention. Right here, you can't see it, but I can. There's an X on our stage. Now, several of you have been married by me in this building. You know there's an X on the stage. You know why we use it. Others of you that were married in the old building, and there's a bunch of you here today, know that I didn't have one there, but I used it this way. I have an X up here, and I see Mike and Stacy here. And when I told them a few weeks ago, when you come up those center steps, I want you to come right up to the X, and I'm going to be right here. And I want you to get so uncomfortably close to me that you can smell the old coming out of me, all right? <laughs> I want you to be that close to me. I, I, I want you to get up here and stand on that X, and then I'll move back. I, I did that to Morgan and Michael. They're here today. I, I did that to, to Aaron and Ben when they got married. I said, get right up here. I want to be so close to you. I'm in your bubble. I want to be in your personal space. I, I, I want you to feel like I'm in your yard. Sometimes the Lord gets so uncomfortably close to us because he wants to help us. He wants to guide us. He wants to shape us and correct us. Sometimes we have to let him get uncomfortably close. And today I'm the mouthpiece, but I'll pick on myself first. A number of years ago, one of you, and you're here today, this service, 
I think we reserve seats in the front so for the last service, so if you want to come up, you can come up. I feel like I'm talking to an empty bunch over there. But one of you came into my office with the Marian Methodist that I had written. This is a dozen years ago or so. And said, Mike, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, I know it was awesome. You want to talk about the article I read? He said, it wasn't good. The content was right, but I want you to look at something. And he got uncomfortably close to me, and he put it on my desk. And he said, look at your newsletter article, which is about 10 paragraphs. And he had gone through it and circled the word I 28 times. I would used the word I in a newsletter article. He said, you know, I know your target was us, but look who this is to. And I got to tell you, he was uncomfortably close to me at that time, spiritually. But he came in to, to, to make correction, to help me, you know, be a better pastor. But I'll tell you what, when somebody gets uncomfortably close, when they get right up in your yard to correct you, you know, ouch, it hurts. Even with the right. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. I knew he came to correct me. I knew, honestly, that he was right, and he'd taken a huge risk to come in there. And part of that, when you get into somebody's yard like that, you come to, to correct somebody, but you also to gu- come to guide him because then he was kind enough to say, hey, you know, I get what you're saying here. Maybe you could state it three or four different other ways. So when we're reading the newspaper, we don't just see I, 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 I. Because it's supposed to be for us. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It is supposed to be for you. And I got better that day. Hashtag grateful, you know. Somebody got that at this service. That's awesome. (laughs) I think when the Lord gets into our yard, we need to understand that we need to take some of the growl out of his voice. I want to read a little bit about what we read a few minutes ago. And I'm going to try to read it the way I think some of us hear the scriptures. I, I think we, sometimes we hear the Lord put the scowl face on. Like a tongue is a small part of the body. It makes great boasts. Consider what a fire is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It ruins everything. It sets the course of one's life on fire. and is itself set on fire by hell. I think that's what we hear. I really do. I think when the Lord is correcting us, I think that's what we hear. But I think what the Lord is really saying is, listen, you guys, that I just want to help you. That quarter pound piece of flesh you got rolling around in your mouth, it can be one of the best things you have. Or it can tear everybody you know up. The very same thing that you used to curse people with can bless people. So guys, I'm just telling you, be careful with it. Let me guide it. Let me shape it. You know, sometimes you got to hear the Lord. Some of us were little kids in the church. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. That's a happy little song. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. See, the Lord is loving us like a loving parent getting right down there with us. I don't think he's scowling at us most of the time. 
in the Bible. And here in this scripture, he is uncomfortably close. He's hand on our shoulder, mouth to our ear, us feeling the breath of God pushing against us in a loving way saying, be careful. I'm warning you to help you be better at what you say. I know today when we talk about taboo in the temple, we're right there in your bubble. We're right in your yard. And I came in there today to make it a little uncomfortable because we need to talk about our words. When I say we're going to talk about the things we say, the first thing some of we Methodists say, some of you people, because I know people, you can't tell me what to say, man. You cannot tell me how I'm going to talk. Well, of course not. You're free and sentient beings. You can think what you think and say what you say. That doesn't make it all right, because I want to point this out to you. Generally, our chief impact on people is what we say. Generally, our chief impact on people is what we say. You know, you remember the expression, sticks and stones will break my bones, but what a bunch of crud. You know, I've gotten punched in the face before, and I got a black eye, and it was gone in three days. There are people that said stuff to me when I was eight. There are people that have said stuff that when I was 15 and 25 and 30 that still hurt me? Am I talking to the right people? Because their words were chief impact. And you say that too. You'll go home and you'll say, I can't believe they said that. Or I can't believe they said that to me. Or can you believe the words? Words have a huge impact on people. Let, let me give you a story. So there was a guy... And he wanted to be a monk. Probably a Catholic guy would be my guess. He wanted to be a monk, so he went to the monastery, and he went to the, um, the head guy. Not a Let's call him a monkster. <laughs> All right? The head monkster. He was the head monkster. He went into the guy, and he said, uh, hey, I, you know, I love God. I want to be a monk. And the head monkster said, okay, cool, but we take a vow of silence here. You work, you do your things you're supposed to do, you work in the fields, you work in the monastery, all those things, you say your daily prayers, you go to worship all the time. But every 10 years, for one day, you come into my office and you share with me, you know, your words. You, you can speak that day and we'll, we'll hear from you. So this guy, I mean, he goes to the business of being a monk and he works hard 10 years. And then he goes into the head monk, you know, the monkster. And he says, he sits down in his office and the head monk says to him, We've well, been here 10 years, and you've, you know, you've performed all right. Do you have anything to say? And he said, uh, food cold. The head man said, all right. Back to your duties of being a monk. Another 10 years go by. So 20 years into this experience, this monk goes into the head monk, and the head monk says, you know, you've been here 20 years. What's on your heart? What would you like to say? And he says, uh, bed hard. Well, okay, but uh, you want to keep being a monk, go ahead and go about your business of being a monk. And now after 30 years, he comes back in. He's been there 30 years, and it's the day he gets to speak to the head monk. And he comes in, and he kind of unties his little belt and starts taking his tunic off. And, and, the, and the head monk says to him, well, what do you have to say to yourself about, about yourself? He says, I quit. And the head monk says, good, you've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> right? Our, our words, 
is what affects people. It's what they hear. It's what goes into their lives. We had a girl, Teresa and I had a girl named Nikki in our youth group 30-some years ago. Before goth was even a thing, but she was goth. All black, black fingernails, black eyeliner, lots of black eyeliner, black lipstick, everything black. Her name was Nikki, and this was a troubled kid. Anybody could tell that. One time she doesn't show up, so my buddy Dave and I track her down. She doesn't come to youth group. She's, a, she's at youth group all the time. She's one of those students that she couldn't miss it, but wanted to make sure that when she was there, everybody noticed her, and she was disruptive like the one that sat, stood way over on the side for the singing and went to the small groups but didn't participate. She was that kid. But she didn't show up. So Dave and I went over to her house. And there's Nikki because her parents were gone. And she's making a decision, according to her, whether to use her mom's pills, a butcher knife, or her dad's shotgun to kill herself. I said, Nikki, What? Don't do it. Don't, don't make a decision at 17 that the 27-year-old version of you can't change. I say that a lot to students. She says, but Pastor Mike, you don't understand. My father has never said my name. I said, what do you mean? Instead of saying, Nikki, you're an idiot, or Nikki, go get me this, he just says, worthless. That's what he calls me. Worthless, go take the trash out. Worthless, go get me a beer. Worthless, Go get me a cup of coffee. Worthless, go to school. I've been called worthless my entire life, and I'm not going to take it another minute. She did. She's 50 now. Generally, the chief impact we have on people is what we say. Same church. Different guy. Not summer games camp, but a different kind of camp. Kid named Scott comes up into give a testimony and he says to all of his colleagues at Lawson and Mitchell Doherty Air Academy High School I wish you guys had my dad I wish you guys had my dad my dad tells me every day I'm proud of you my dad tells me every day Scott you're going to be a great man he tells me every day you can strive to be a Christian you can get the education you want every single day my dad tells me I have the potential to be great and a lot of times he tells me I'm proud of you Scott I wish you guys had my dad. He's so awesome because he affirmed me by what he said in to be a decent person. He literally coached me into being decent. Generally, our chief impact on people is the words we say. There's a profound truth here at play. I know we can't tell anyone what to say, and we know our words are important. They can build up or they can destroy people. That's what our words do. They can build up or destroy. And I came by to tell you today to focus on the first one. God's word clearly states that our words are important. The word of God tells us that a number of times. And so the question is then, does your vocabulary and your usage of it match what your intentions are? Do, do the way you use your words line up with what God would have you say? Do, do you order and point your words in ways at other people that when God looks down, he says, man, I'm glad you said that. I was just ready to say that. I was just ready to let them know what you said. Is that how your words go? 
during the course of a, of a normal day? According to scriptures, they are. Our words are supposed to come out of our mouth, and God says, man, that's just what I was going to say. That's awesome. You and I, we say a lot of words. We do. Do we act like they're important? Because they are. And this is where faith gets hard. When the preacher and the Holy Spirit set up camp right in your backyard. Four things. And I'm not in a hurry. Our words have an eternal impact. Take a look at what the scripture says. Our words have an eternal impact. I tell you that everyone, that in the south they say, all y'all, I will tell you that everyone will have to give an account, which is to say we are responsible. Everyone will have to give an account on that day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Not a few. Every empty word they have spoken. For your words to be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So you have a responsibility in here, and and we have a judgment. Now, I've said it once, but I've said it a million times. The best time to be a Christian is 20 years ago, but if you didn't make it then, start now. Okay? Start now. Start, start using it right. North American woman, according to the Internet, so you know this is true, the North American woman says 40,000 words a day. Men, we say about half. That's true, according to the Internet. Of course, I'm a man, so I know that men use more than half theirs, probably not as productively as they could. We say 40,000 if we're a, man, a, a female and about 20,000 if we're a male of words every single day. And some of those words are like this. Well, yeah, I said it, but I didn't mean it. I said that. I said that, but I didn't, I didn't mean it. I, you know, I'm sorry I told you you were fat and ugly. Just kidding. Ha, ha. I didn't mean it. I say a lot of things I don't mean, right? I'm, I'm picking up a rental car the other day because a bunch of us went down to Nashville this week for a, a required education thing. And when I was standing there in line waiting, there was this guy. You know, you ever been in line with somebody and you know the person's lying and the person on the other count, on their side of the counter? side of the counter's line. I mean, this guy is painting a tail, man. He is lying so much. I mean, I almost wanted to, you know, keep picking my shoes up so I didn't stick to the floor of his ugliness, right? But he's lying to the guy. He got the price he wanted. And we turned around and walked out. The guy behind the counter knew he was lying. All of me and my buddies knew he was lying. And he just looked at us, kind of did one of those, got what I wanted, didn't I? Yeah, but you used a whole bunch of poison words to get where you wanted to. That's not what's expected to us. Our works are our words. You know, one of our Christian works is our words. And our expression of the Christian faith is in the content of our words and in the tone. We used to have a friend that she was just kind of a scary, she was a lawyer, she was just kind of scary. You know, she would come into you and, and she, was, she had a kind heart but a harsh tone, right? So she'd say, I love you. You're like, that's good, right? It's kind of scary, but it's good. But, but our tone matters, too. It's, it's not only the words we say, the content that we say, but also the way we say them. And the question is, do people suspect in your workplace, do people suspect in the places that you play, in the, in the places that you mess around in, when you talk, when, when they hear you talk, do they suspect, hey, I think that woman's a Christian. I think that dude might be a Christ follower. Do they suspect that when they hear the words you say? Eternal words. The words have an eternal impact. 
Our words are weighty. Secondly, our words have the ability to harm everyone around us. Our words have the ability to harm everyone around us. The scripture we read this morning, the tongue is a flame of fire. It can set your whole life on fire. For itself, it is set on fire by hell. I've used my tongue. I know that to be true. Amen? This is harsh stuff. Words can be an expression of our sinful human nature. We can't control it. I mean, the Bible says you can't control your tongue. That's a pretty good authority when the Lord Jesus Christ says to you, you can't control your tongue. We kind of tend to stand back and look at Jesus and say, are you sure? Because I'll try harder. Jesus says, no, you can't. You can't control that tongue. But I can, says God. Give it to me. I'll make the words right. I'll make the words right. And we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will purify our heart. Because then the words will start getting right. And that starts by confessing. You know, you just simply confess. Which, you know, when you, when you confess, it means you admit you did something wrong. Yeah, I said the wrong thing. I said the wrong thing at the wrong time. I, I put my words in the wrong order. And the words I said, they hurt you. You've got to confess that. Sometimes you are wrong. Don't anyone elbow someone else. I'm talking about all y'all. Sometimes we're wrong with the words we use. And when we're wrong, we have to repent. We confess and then we repent. And, and repent means I'm going to change. When, when you confess, you admit it. I did it wrong. When you repent, say, I'm going to make sure I don't do that again. I'm going to go a different direction with my words. I'm going to go a different direction with my intentions. So, so we, we decide, hey, we're going to change. I, I, I'm wrong. I, I'm going to make it right. And then you try to restore, which means you apologize. How good are you at that? When you say the wrong thing. I, I have a friend named Brian. The other night we were together. And at the end of a conversation, Brian said some things. And, and our friend Melody got up and left. And he said, you know, I think I just hurt Melody's feelings. I have to apologize for that. We woke up in the morning. We're down at the, you know, we're at the hotel with free breakfast kind of place. You know, I can't remember. It was maybe Hampton Inn, I think we're at. And the first thing Brian said, he said, man, this has been bothering me all night. Melody walked in and said, Melody, I'm sorry for what I said. It takes a pretty big person to do that. It takes a person that's willing to let the Holy Spirit work in your life to say, not only was I wrong, not only am I going to change my way, but I'm going to tell the person that I was wrong to and who I'm going to treat differently from now on, I'm sorry. I'm going to put good words on top of my bad words and hope that those, bad, those good words will overwhelm the hurtful ones. When you pray the Holy Spirit will purify your heart, then, then fourth, you need to prevent you need to build a hedge. You need to build a wall around your words. You know, right now in Cedar Rapids, we're worried again about a little bit of flooding. And they're putting the, the, the what I would call the, the low flooding barriers in. And then they might put the HESCO barriers in. And that will kind of stop the floodwaters for, from raising. But then they're going to take them out. You know, when, when the threat passes. And I'm telling you today, the threat of using your words to tear people down, it doesn't ever pass. <laughs> So if you're going to prevent something, you need to build a barrier. And you need to leave it there. Third, our words have the power to build others up. Here's the good news. Our words have the power to build others up. Let everything, says Paul in Ephesians, let everything, all the words you use, let everything you say be good and helpful. 
so that the words you use will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How we love to be encouraged. How we love to be healed and and cared for and built up. I have a friend named Joy that lives her name. Joy lives her name. Unfortunately, she's the boss of one of our kids that's going into ministry right now. But I will tell you this about Joy because I know it to be true. Every time I'm in Joy's presence, I feel better than I did when I wasn't in it. Because she says things like, oh, you know, you do this well, or I really want to affirm this. Everything Joy says to everyone around her builds them up and encourages them. You always feel better after talking to her. Your favorite people do that, don't they? Don't your favorite people build you up all the time? Don't your favorite people affirm you for who you are and encourage you to be who you could be? That's what your favorite people do. I mean, right? I'm just going to encourage you to be somebody else's favorite person. Be the favorite people of other people. Be the ones that, knowing that your words have such huge impact on them, that you use ones that make them better and happier just for having known you and been in your presence. And our words have the potential to keep your heart aligned with God. Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. It says, May my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me. Here's the kicker. For I have chosen your precepts. It always comes back to that, doesn't it? It always comes back to our choices. Our choices of what we're going to be. Our words based on God's words are the right words. Uh, Our words always come from somewhere. And they are always got some sort of destination. They have an origin and a destination. And our words fall short. They just do. But God's words are always good words. That's why, you know, I just came by today to get up in your personal bubble, to get in your backyard a little bit and say, we need to have a little bit of a language purification process here among us because what comes into your mind often comes into play in your life the words you think in your mind that come in there they're stupid they're ugly they should be going faster or whatever they oftentimes come right out and we say well ah, you don't have a baffle or we say oh we're getting older i don't have a baffle um you know no that's not true you just don't care enough anymore about people and what you're saying and the depth and richness of their impact. We need to have a purifying process to our language. You know, I've been in Nicaragua and I've been in Haiti where they have third world water sources. And I tell you what, in Haiti where we go down to Greg's house to Las Cajabas, when they get water in their well and they need to purify it, they don't shove a bunch of dirty rags in it and let the water run through that. That's not what they do. They get clean filters, purifying filters that have certain things in there so that all the the parasites and all the yucky stuff in the water that can ruin our health is taken out as it passes through. And we need the same thing. We need to filter our words through him. We need to filter through our words through the one who has the holy and perfect vocabulary. And we need to learn them. That's why, that's one of the reasons that, that your leaders are now trying to impart words into your heart. That's why we say, Please learn how to say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, trust in Him, and He will make your path straight because we believe it to be true. 
And we believe that about our language and about the intonations of our language and the way that we build up other people and help people. So we have some blessed children to give some Bibles to, so I want to take it home this way. What you say is up to you. It always is. It's a choice. There's no denying that. And the choice is in your hands. The words we say out of our mouth are a work of our faith to the glory of God. That's what matters. What does God want you to say today? What, what does God want you to say today? And then the choice that's left to you is, will you say it? Will you say what God wants to say you to say today? And when the people hear that, will they say, I think that's what God had to say to me today. You know, because of my friend, or my mom, or my dad. This is the word of God for us today. Right up into our bubbles. Because we say a lot of words. 